Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Love at First Psych, a Psych First Watch Rewatch podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jake Christie, joined as always by a man who he, he was all about town. He was flying all over the country. He was, you saw him everywhere this last week. Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? Everywhere on the West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, feels good to, I mean, luckily I was traveling within my own time zone, so no jet lag whatsoever, but yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay, you know, um, just, uh, you know, just hanging in there, uh, still trying to be employed, but that's not a hero there. That's a pro. That's something I could deal with on my own time, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. We're talking about actually a real, a real meat and potatoes job being on a real roller derby. Uh, we're talking talk derby to me. Now I have a question. Do you have any relationship at all to the roller derby or no? No, I've not. No, I, I don't. Yeah. I've never even seen that one movie. What is it? Whiplash? No, not Whiplash. Whip it. And I haven't Whip seen it either. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looks cool. Though. Uh, it does look cool, but it also seems like one of those things where if you looked at, if I looked it up and I and it said like there are only two active roller derbies in the United States, they stopped. Ex- you know what I mean? It feels like one of those things that doesn't really exist anymore, but because writers are always like 20 years older than the you know, median age. You know what I mean? Like, you know the things like writers are always a few years behind and it might have been a big thing in like the 80s, but now, like, I can't imagine there's a lot of roller derbies going on. Do, I mean, was that ever, do men do it? Was it ever a man? I don't know. Um, let me look this up. Roller derby in the U.S. I mean, look, this is the history of roller derby. Um, there are, yeah, there are men's but it's mostly women's are the big ones. Uh, I don't have enough time. I, I don't want to do the uh, the t- tried and true podcast thing of reading Wikipedia out loud. Um, but yeah, it does look like it exists in some shape or form, but not as popular. They said it peaked in popularity uh, in the 20s and then the 70s. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, um, if I ever get a chance to check it out, I would definitely love to. Yeah, it depends on where it is. Because I can imagine that they definitely, there are definitely some roller derbies that go on in a place that, like, the only place that the st- staff infections are airborne, you know? Like, you just yeah. breathe in and you got staff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely see yeah. what you're talking about. Anyway, we don't start off with a roller derby. We start off with a cold open that feels like it's completely unrelated to, uh, I mean, not really, because it's about th- thieves, but um, we uh, start with back in 1988, or uh, where Henry is asking for Sean. Sean gets his representative, Gus, to come speak for him. But Henry has a test for Sean. Yeah, he has a test for Sean. He 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 says that there's something missing in the room that they're in, which appears to be their living room. And if he wants it back, he's going to have to use his skills to figure out what he took. So baby Sean, or, you know, young Sean takes a look around and notices a few stray BBs on the floor and correctly deduces that what's missing is his BB gun. And the reason why it's taken is because Henry took it because apparently he's been firing it outside in the backyard, which, you know, fair enough. They don't live in like fucking Bakersfield. Like people live right next door. So you could end up really hurting somebody. Yeah. Now, I obviously, you know, the answer for me is no. But did you ever own a BB gun growing up? No. Yeah, it seems like one of those things that, like, a, a lot of the things my parents, my mom, didn't let us do, I think are completely unreasonable. That, I'm like, yeah, why, and no kid should have a beer gun. <laughs> like, it, anything that literally you can do permanent damage to people pretty easily with a BB gun, why would you give it to a kid? Have you ever shot a gun? A uh, gun? No, I have not. Yeah, me neither. Um, yeah, I've never, yeah. Oof, yeah. 
like in a certain context I might, but like it's not even like I, I am morally opposed to guns in a lot of ways, but that's actually not even the reason I wouldn't want to shoot one. It's mostly that I just don't have that like the uh, the 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 only thing I would get out of it is the sensation of feeling powerful, and that is a thing that I know is not good, so I don't want it. You know what I mean? Like I actually don't. Because I didn't. I think, the only time, was, the, yeah. I think I think you're totally satisfied with being with feeling powerful at a trivia night. Oh, for sure. Um, I actually was at. I was hanging out with some people on Sunday night. Uh, some friends, people, a friend, friend of a friend, and we were just talking. And the subject of, like, memory and stuff came up, and uh, this is actually my friend Michael Springthorpe, who you know, vaguely, that he, mm-hmm. his friends were like, oh my god, he's the best mm-hmm. at, like, remembering movies, names, and stuff. And then he, of course, said, if the, I know that I'm good at, he, basically what he said was, oh, you think I'm good at it, Jake is even better. And they asked, are you available on Tuesdays, because there's a trivia night. So, to answer your question, yes, I do, that is the place I love feeling powerful, is I love being the ringer that people barely know that they bring in to win at trivia. Uh, it's my favorite position to be in. Where is the, where is the trivia? Night? No clue. They didn't give specifics, but I said I'm available. Because um, it was like a party. It wasn't. It wasn't like we weren't, you know, planning it out. But my point being, um, I'm always down to do trivia. And uh, yes, you're it's right. That is the one place where my power fantasy does happen. Uh, but anyway, um, we cut to a department store called Zilks. Um, where there's a security guard minding his own, and he gets knocked out, and a pretty crazy robbery goes down. Yeah, it's like a, I want to say it's a smash and grab, but we find out later that that's not exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they 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 smash the shit out of everything, and it looks like they take a lot of shit. Um, it even looks like they hit like the the jewelry section of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they do all that, and it looks like a very coordinated attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they clearly have a plan. It seems like they have some sort of an idea of the layout mm-hmm. and, you know, they're kind of in and out in like, what, 30 seconds, mm-hmm. 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. Something cuts to the next day when Jules is interviewing the security guard. He didn't see anything. And, uh, Lassie's looking around and he sees a strange looking mannequin, uh, on a row. And what's, what's yes. strange about this mannequin? Uh, it keeps moving in between, like, glances at it. And judging from the fashion sense, I can already tell that it was Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, it ends up being Sean. And Lassie walks up to to him and asks him basically what he's doing. And uh, he got the call from the, from the chief. And, uh, yeah, you know, apparently this is the third robbery of its type in the past three months. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, they need some spiritual guidance, let's just say. Exactly. And Sean is a bit... There's a bit of a tension already, because Gus is not really paying attention. He's busy studying for his exam. The RX Rep RX, which is the RX representative... I think it's like re- remedial examination or something like The R, I forget what the R stands for, but it's, it's re- RX Rep RX. It's yeah. not remedial, but it's another word that begins with R. Um, and... Uh, <clears throat> She's, you know, Gus is studying in his book, but Sean notices there's some green slime on it. Put a pin in that. And is it ooze? Are there going to be some new Ninja Turtles that come out of this? We'll see. Um, I actually did just see I, the uh, the new movie. It's good. Um, I've I, heard saw, it's good. I, I saw an advanced screening. It's good. Oh, sorry, advanced screening. Well, it wasn't like it wasn't like a press screening, but it was like my theater will do a thing where they'll have like one screening, like one screening on like the Monday before. 
I mean, the, the studios try to do it because they want people to, to have buzz beforehand. And it works because I tell people <laughs> that stuff is good if it's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I like the little crack about, like, what did you go, like, on, it was, like, Nickelodeon Slime or something, the Kids' yes. Choice Awards? Yeah. Yeah. Shouts to Slime. That was Slime Time Live. No, I think I was too old for that. Oh, well, yeah, it was just a lot of slime. Um, it's pretty crazy how much mileage they got out of that as a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think I fell off, like, right around the time that SpongeBob was a thing. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um... We then, they, they go to look at the videotape to see what happened. Uh, it's a very crowded room. Um, Sean introduces himself as, as the, a psychic and the treasurer of the American Wicker Council. Um, which, you know, yeah, that's gotta be... A, he's, he's running on a rattan platform, which mm-hmm. speaks to me. Are you a big Wicker Furniture guy? I mean, I have to buy all of it all the oh. time, so, yeah. What is rattan? I'm not familiar. Uh, rattan is just like, uh, yeah, it's made of like you know, like a tree-like material, but it's mm. cut in, like, an X pattern. Oh, okay. Anyway, oh, Meowie's on screen. What a, what a wonderful cat. He's so cute. Mm-hmm. All right, go. Uh, and they're looking at the tape, and the, the people in it are very coordinated. Lassie thinks that they're ex-military. They're using hand signals, yada, yada. But, uh, and he's, you know, like, go get local paramilitary groups, yada, yada. But Sean says, check the Santa Barbara Ladies Auxiliary, because he says it's women. Right. It appears to be a sisterhood of the Yaya variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, in order to, like, crack this possible, you know, 80 suspects, mm-hmm. they need to get someone on the inside. They mm-hmm. need uh, – this needs to be an undercover job. Mm-hmm. So Lassie's already, like, wants to yeah. do it, but, you know – Why? Like, what, what, what is, what's the new thing that he has that he wants to try out? He has a new mustache, man? He's a new mustache guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a new mustache guy. So I would have loved to have seen it, but no. uh, but not for him. Only person who can pull it off, Sean asks Jules, can you skate? Then we cut to the theme song and then to a roller derby where Juliet is fully in costume. She's on the team. Her name is Maniac. Um, and yeah, you know, they're very lucky that she knew how to skate because it's not just like she can skate a little bit. She actually needs to be like very good at skating. Yeah, no, she's she's pretty good. She can lay the the hammer down um, mm-hmm. if necessary. I mean, I'm, she's a cop, right? I, I mean, also, and and, and we do get glimpses previously that she maybe got some violent altercations. Uh, there's uh, there's the whole bit that they allude to about her at uh, cheerleader camp getting kicked out because uh, she got a fight. So you know, right? She's throwing yeah. some bows in her day. Um, Correct. And so the basically the way that they get to the roller derby is that there's the hand signals, there are scuff marks on the ground that like were like a roller skate. Um, so that's how they end up uh, coming to that conclusion. And he's explaining this to Henry, who of course, because he's a in a lot of ways a creepy old man, he's a big fan of the roller derby. Yeah, he's a, he's a big fan of the roller derby, and apparently, you know, he's a jack of all trades, uh, master of none, uh, who. Used to do security for the roller derby mm-hmm. back in the day, so not only is he a huge fan, but he knows. Okay, but what does he say about what does he say about it uh, when uh, we're describing? Calls, I mean, I don't know. He calls them broads, which is yes. Weird. He says those broads used to get work done. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, 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 first, I'll be honest with you. It's not a. I know that it's not great comedy to just have an older person say something regressive, but having an old guy say broads is always funny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's even better in like a mob movie because the way they I mean, say it. and the thing is, 
I'm just going to say this. I don't care what how PC language gets, and I'm almost always in favor of any sort of updating language. Until the day I die, if someone says the phrase, I'm going to study abroad in front of me, I will always say, why do you got to leave the country for that? There's plenty of abroads around here. I'll always say it, no matter what. It's, it's until yeah. the end of time I'll do it. It's always well, funny think, to me. Well, I think you've probably aged out of that conversation being... No, because what... Sure, but knowing from my own dad... When I get to the age where I have friends who have kids in college, I okay, come back around. <laughs> it gotcha. never ends. So, so it's out for a little bit, and then it'll mm-hmm. be back in like 20 years. Yeah, and also, I have, I have younger cousins. You know, when they go to college, they might study abroad. You know, also, people are talking in the past tense, like, yeah, I went to Italy to study abroad. Why did you do that? You plenty of abroad. Uh, there's, there's a lot. Got it. It's one of those things. It comes up more often than you think, and it is just at all times. And there are times I don't want to do it. I'm like, I have to say it. But anyway, um, we look at the roller derby. There's like some things where you can mark someone to get them beaten up. It's really unclear what the rules are to this. I mean, they mentioned the whole thing about you get points for passing, but like they me- and then they also Juliet mentions occasionally that like some of the moves she did weren't illegal. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like there are rules to this. Maybe I'm just not following. Yeah, or maybe you know because it's a TV a TV show. We're not really following it for exactly what it is. I don't know. I I don't know how fast and loose they play with the rules in like real roller yeah. derby. Yeah. If you're an expert in roller derby and you're listening, please let us know. Uh, I doubt that that would happen, but you never know. Um, yeah. And so Sean and Gus go to Snoop. And Gus, not really. He's still studying. But Sean goes into the ladies' locker room. And he's looking around. He sees some evidence in one person's locker. He sees a broken watch, which could be from, you know, the break-in. Someone was on a cruise on August 7th, so that's probably not. Like, those are just the things he notices. Um, and that's basically it. Uh, he ends up leaving after his cover almost gets blown. And then we right. see, uh, Juliet get complimented for, uh, her good skating despite being a newbie. Right. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, you know, starting to chat with her teammates. Um, I wonder how that whole vetting process went. Um, and they ask her how she learned how to skate like that. And she says that she did it and she was on the college skate team, mm-hmm. which I guess. And then she mentioned that she did it at, she learned at Xanadu. Uh, yeah. which I guess is, I don't know. The, like, the, the musical Xanadu, the on roller skates. It's about a roller it? skate. Yeah, it's about, a. I think it's like an alien who comes down to a roller skating rink. Apologies if I'm, I'm not a musical theater guy, but it definitely is all on roller skates. Not all of it, but at least it takes place at a roller skating place. The movie too? I think so. I mean, the movie's based on the musical, yeah. I'm almost, hey, roller skating is a key part of it. I know that for sure. I had no idea it was even a musical. I thought it was just like a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. No, uh, no, they didn't cast Olivia Newton-John to just act. Um, <laughs> every time every time I hear Xanadu... Well, she recently oh, died. I shouldn't say that, but... Um, oh, God. I, I forgot she died. Um, every time I hear Xanadu, I think of that clip of Sour Shoes pretending to be uh, Mike Francesa on, uh, on the Dan Patrick show. No, not familiar, but... Uh, you know Francesa, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, he does both parts of Mike and the Mad Dog, and he, they're both singing Xanadu. It's fucking uh, hilarious. Dan Patrick could barely keep it together while he's doing it. So anyway, as this <laughs> conversation's happening, uh, Sean is leering. He is leering. Like, it, it's true. Uh-huh. But he's also noticing that some of these women are caught up in ways that don't really make sense with the sport. Like, how do they have bruises underneath their elbow pads? You know? Um, how do right. they have cuts from glass? Um and then uh, Juliet notices them, and she understandably is like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Because this is her investigation. Right, yeah. Gus mentioned earlier that he that they shouldn't – before they go to the locker mm-hmm. room, he mentioned that they don't want to, like, step on her case. You know, they don't want to blow her cover. And, you know, Sean kind of uh, dogs her and basically 
uh, you know, he, yeah. Uh, what does he say exactly? He says that, you know, he got some vibes and, um, you know, that he does his thing his own way. Nothing really important. Um, but the other girls come up and interrupt this conversation and Juliet has to act like these are just some fans. And Sean says that he is uh, the head of the Maniac fan club. And Gus is his co is like the co-president, Long Branch Penny Whistle. Um, and yeah. that they're doing an interview for the blog. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's when Juliet has to pretend to, like, basically think he's a fucking creep and tells him to fuck off, essentially. Exactly. So, um, they... Uh, Juliet is in the office. She's wearing her outfit and has the skates on. And obviously, Vic is not very happy about this. Yeah, she's not happy about it. Uh, she's been busting people's fucking heads, and she's been expensing $800 for skates. Um, and as a result, you know, she better see some results soon. Exactly. Um, and she's basically like, you know, all Juliet has is people with priors and, you know, some suspicion, like not, nothing concrete. Uh, and Vic is understandably worried that Jules is getting too in deep, you know, uh, but she'll let her go on for a little bit longer. Um, and so then we, she ends up getting a call, uh, from someone on the team that, um, is for some type of event tonight that they need to keep quiet about. She ends up going to the psych office where Sean meets her there. They're supposed to, I guess, meet about something. And Sean had made a nice dinner with some candles and um, she can't stay, though, unfortunately, even though he made crab cakes. Yeah, question. Is crab cakes, like, an actual, like, main dish? An appetizer? Yeah, I think so, if you make them big enough. Okay. Yeah, I always thought they were more... Oh, my God. I always thought they were more of, like, a starter, but okay. Yeah. I mean, they can. I, I, they are, but also, you know, I think if you make them meaty enough, I assume you can. Um, you know. I've never had a crab cake. They're pretty good. Um, if they have to be, like, real crab. Like, if you get, like, one that's, like, imitation crab, like, that's not going to be great. But if you get one, like, from a fresh seafood place where it's, like, mo- like 40% crab, 60% everything else, that's good. Um, so then, um, yeah, Jules basically tells him the about the call she got, and that's why she tells him, like, she needs to take off. But mm-hmm. Sean has a little bit of uh, some news. He's basically eliminated Toxic Waste, one of the mm-hmm. members, from being at the break-in. And that's when Jules that's saying, who called her, yeah. Oh, right, right. And then Jules basically, you know, she's very serious about the case. She wants to do her job and she wants them to work together as partners. But Sean just basically is like talking down to her. Mm-hmm. And she finally says, you know, like, I just want your support. And that's all I want. And he doesn't say anything. And so mm-hmm. she just grabs a crab cake and takes off. Yeah. And um, so they end up going to where she's invited to. It's a big warehouse. Sean's like, this doesn't seem like a robbery. What do you, you know, this is not happening. Um, and so they have like 20, they have like 12 black and whites down there, really ready to bust everything open. Uh, and Juliet opens up the uh, warehouse door, waves everyone off. We cut to Karen saying that it was a music video shoot. Yes. Um, it's a music video shoot. And obviously that's not what they wanted. Uh, luckily, no one sees her call the cops into there. So yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the next day they're at the office or at the police station. And obviously Vic is really pissed off because they use some probably, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much the Santa Barbara police, what they were up to that night, but I mean, it would have been just harassing kids probably, you know, nothing good. So it's actually probably a win for the cut community. Correct. Um, and so, but she's pissed about using police resources and, um, 
you know, she wants to basically shut it down and Sean takes the rap for the mistake. He basically mm-hmm. says that he had a bad feeling. There was a, you know, interruption in the psychic mm-hmm. field or something. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, they have until tomorrow to make progress on the case. Um, and, uh, Sean's like, you know, it's all good basically. And then he kind of jokes that Gus didn't, you know, never steps in. Um, and Gus doesn't care cause he's too busy learning about the croup. Um, you know, which is always, I always, until I was like 15, I thought that that was, my mom would do things where she would like invent fake Yiddish words. And I thought croup was just one of her, I thought she was like onomatopoeizing the sound of like your throat being like clogged with, uh, like your your chest being what? clogged with shit. I thought she made it up. I didn't realize that was an actual medical term. <laughs> oh, I didn't know either. It is. Yeah, yeah. The croup is a as actual disease. Mm, I see. It doesn't it sound like your mom. It's like, oh, you you got the croup. You got you know that sounds like. Uh, yeah, I mean right. maybe just my mom, but it does. Because uh, one thing she really would just say things. I'm like, mom, is that actual like Yiddish? Because one thing my family's not Jewish, so she would just and like no. Yeah, that was my. That's what I was going to say. What do you mean? Yes, but also my family's from Rockland County, which is the most Jewish county in the United States per capita. So it's, she like, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's not out of the ordinary for people to, you know, use like, oy vey is Jewish? not. It's more Jewish than East Williamsburg? I said county, uh, not uh, city. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's 30%, I think, which is way more than East. Well, I mean, obviously East Williamsburg is fully Jewish, but there's also a lot of Brooklyn that isn't. Um, balances it out. And so anyway. Um, Sean also notices a bracelet that, um, Julia is wearing that Westwood gave to her. There's a little note and, um, they, uh, she wants in on his process, but he's like, no, my process is not a tandem bike. It's a unicycle. So, um, she, you know, he is trying to, uh, he, he thinks that Fox and Westwood and Wild are all in cahoots. Um, that's the kind of vibe he gets because they're always together. So they end up going back to the office. Gus is studying, but Sean is writing out. He sees on Vic's desk a list of everything that was stolen, and he has no – he doesn't know what to make of it. Like, how much could they care about what they're stealing if they stole a DVD of Spanglish? You know, I feel like that's, like, always the butt of jokes. I don't know where else I've seen it where someone made fun of the movie Spanglish. I mean, it's uh, apparently very bad, so that's part of it. And also it's a dumb title. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's mostly, and knowing the plot of it is basically just a rich white guy writing a movie about Juan Gafuck, his uh, Hispanic maid. Is that what it's about? It's eventually about that, but it's it's mostly about a rich white guy feeling bad about being rich, having his wife is mean to him, cheats on him, and then he falls in love with his Hispanic maid. That's basically the plot of the movie, which, you know. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's a like white guild the movie is the way I heard it described. Um scored by Hans Zimmer. Wow. I mean, of oh, course, it's, James it, it's, it's, it's Jim Brooks. Like it's a, exactly. Like that's why I think I think that's also why it's made fun of a lot because it's not made by like some schmuck. It also even though it's just a movie that takes place in like one house in California, it costs like 80 million dollars. Um Dude, James L. Brooks really was fucking taking a dump like his last two movies. I, that, that is the arc of his career. It's a notable uh you know, it's one of the biggest mighty have fallen situations in Hollywood history. Um, anyway. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so anyway, um, John then accuses Goss of being jealous of, you know, the fact that uh, Jules is his partner on this. You know, he's like, you're still my number one in my space. But what Sean then puts together is that the goo on Goss's book 
is actually atomic skate oil, which uh, Wild uses on her skates. So that, you know, puts her at the scene. Yeah, and uh, Gus, you know, he sees that Sean has pieces together and wonders why he hasn't called the police already. But, you know, Sean knows that it's more than just this. It seems to be a bigger uh, <clears throat> a bigger case than just mm. these, or it seems at the time to be a bigger case. So he just needs to, you know, marinate on it and just let it build a little bit more. Mm. Um, yeah. And all this, he explains all this while Gus eats some three-day-old crab cakes, which yeah. Gross. I hope he's okay. Yeah. yeah, and then Jules is at practice, and uh, you know they're going to be going do, do, doing some things. But Westwood actually has to leave as her teammates say she needs to visit her mother. And then when Juliet goes to talk to her, she says she has to pick up her boyfriend. So very interesting. Um, yeah, it's in the locker room. She's like packing up her bag. She looks like she's in a mm-hmm. hurry. So she's very skittish, and she takes off. While Jules is in the locker room, she notices like a loose ceiling tile. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she, I don't know why she didn't take off her skates, but I guess it worked out in this case. So she hops on like this trash can or something, opens up the ceiling tile and notices that Mm -hmm. there are like some, at the time I didn't know what it was, but like they're hand scanners. Hand scanners, yes. Yes. And she gets Um, prints off of them. And I'm not talking about uh, the artist from Minnesota. Right. Yeah. She gets prints off them. Um, So... After that, she calls uh, she calls Sean while he's driving and tells him about ask him about scanning machines and if like the psychic world has told him anything about this. And he's you know, he doesn't really know. Um, and so she also tells him about how Westwood lied and how she took off like in a hurry. And just as Sean and Gus are pulling up to the that the Derby, wherever that is, the arena, um, she's coming out of the she's coming out of there and you know, no worries because Sean has a psychic track on her and they're going to follow her. Exactly. Um, so they follow her to, uh, if they're following her on the street and Goss notices in her back, like the back of her uh, truck that there's what looks like a hand under a uh, tarp or like a, a blanket. I think it's a body. So they're right. following her, um, but they get lost a little bit because Sean's an idiot. Uh, and they end up seeing her right as she's going back to her car from the docks and they look in the water and, uh, they see um, what looks like a body floating in uh, the ocean, and we cut to the next morning, and it's not a body, it's a mannequin. Correct. It's a mannequin. Um, and then somehow, I don't know how this happened, but they the police are in possession of all the stolen merchandise? Was she, it all it like... looks like she dumped all the other stuff, too. That's what the idea was. Okay, okay, yeah. I, mean, and I, I don't think it was all the stolen stuff. I think it was just from the most recent one. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, um, so if they weren't after that, what were they after mm-hmm. is the question. Yeah. And that's when Gus, uh, mentions that skater number 20, uh, mm-hmm. Westwood is the one who dumped the mannequin and, you know, clearly there's something bigger at stake and they just need to figure out what that is. So Sean mm-hmm. suggests they go to Zilks, uh, to go check it out. Yes. So, um, they, we then see, uh, that, um, Wild is looking at them, sees that Sean and Gus are working with the cops, and so they need to have a talk with Maniac, that they need to figure what's going on here. Um, right. And so we then cut to Zilks, and Sean and Gus are walking, and Gus has a very embarrassing moment. Sean points out that Gus is wearing the exact same thing that a mannequin is wearing. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, Gus is uh, he's upset, and he suggests that maybe he's not, he didn't dress like the mannequin, that they dressed the mannequin after his own personal style, which... Mm-hmm. Who's to say? 
Exactly. Uh, so they need so, to go into the employees only yeah. room to make a long story short. Right. Yeah. They see another like roller skate trail leading into mm-hmm. that room and they find a girl in there who's like freaking out because she thinks that they're getting robbed. And mm-hmm. luckily the security guard who got knocked down in the mm-hmm. beginning is there and he clears it up. And they ask her like, you know, what's, I mean, they asked her what she was in the middle of and it appears she mm-hmm. was shredding credit card applications and it typically happens on Fridays. Interesting. Exactly. So they note that the burglaries happen on a Tuesday, uh, sorry, on a Thursday. So that'd be right beforehand. So Sean calls Jules and gives her two pieces of information that Keanu Reeves is living in his house two years in the past. How does he get to him? And two, that the, the thieves are stealing info off of credit card applications as a handful of fake credit cards is worth a lot more than any merchandise you're going to steal. Um, and right. uh, yeah, and as this is going on, Maniac gets called away by her teammates. So they, we think that maybe she's getting roughed up. Um, right. So they go to the derby and they see a very concerning thing on the ground in the parking lot. Yeah, they see the bracelet that the roller derby girls gave Jules uh, on the floor. And so they suspect maybe something ended up happening to her. But they also spot uh, Westwood's truck parked in the parking lot. So, you know, they go to check it out because they know that she's... Wait, no, they don't know that she's dead. Whatever. No. So, and they end up opening the trunk and Westwood's body's in there. So, yeah, this is definitely... I do look at this bit, though, where Sean says, thank God. And he goes, it's still a dead person. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to tell Jules that you wish that she was dead. Yeah. And so we then see in the roller derby that um, Jules' teammates are tagging her, and everyone's kind of after her to beat her up. Um, right. And in a very stupid move, Goss decides that he's going to enter the fray. He puts on skates. I don't know why he has to put on the skates in order to do something. <laughs> like, he could just... He could, I thought for a second he was like, going to go back and like put on like a wig and appear to be a woman or something. Yeah, it was It was going to quickly become Juana Man 2. Um <laughs> Uh, and so he ends up taking one person out, but then gets clotheslined. And then Sean steps in to try to save, uh, to, you know, to put a stop to it. And at the last second, Jules saves Sean from being taken out and everyone piles up. Um, and yep. yeah, they, they end up getting, um, they, we end up cutting outside and the, everything's good. They are arresting Wild and Westwood and, uh, the other people involved. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Sean notices, or, you know, he gives Jules her props for being amazing on the skates. And also as they're like, you know, arresting, um, as they're bringing out Wild and West, Wild and Fox. Wild and um, Westwood. Sorry. Yeah. Wild and Fox. Yeah. You're right. Wild and Fox. Apparently I looked in the IMDb trivia. It says that they're all named after DJs for a restaurant, not restaurant, DJs for a radio station in LA that the writers like to listen to. So anyway. Uh, Okay. Mm, oh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm just repeating so, IMDb trivia. Don't no, act no, no, like for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm just trying to figure out who the hell that would be, but yeah, okay. Um, so Sean also mentions that uh, he's got another – he's got something going on, and basically he just tells him that uh, Westwood's dead and mm-hmm. she's in the trunk of her car, so add murder to the yeah. list of crimes they've committed. And Sean says to Vic, you know, that Jules and him are willing, are going to work together as partners again. If the embezzling, extortion, entrapment, elephant theft, anything between an E, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's um, it's a nice ending. And then we cut to Sean. I'm sorry, Juliet is back at the Derby to return her skates. And who is there but Sean Spencer? And he's wearing skates, too. And, uh, oh, yeah, look at that is a good line. Good line reading. But he's not there for normal purposes. 
Yeah, he basically set up a couple's skate uh, skate session. So they have, you know, he's got a whole DJ set up and everything, and they start to skate together. And mm-hmm. uh, he tries to hold her hand, but she says no hands. Yeah, I mean, what and what says love more than a flock of seagulls? You know what I mean? Um, Is that a flock of seagulls? I didn't know. I, yeah, I mean, once again, I'm I, I because I watch on my computer, I I can see the IMDb X-ray and it says what song it was. I I didn't recognize it off the top of my head, but okay. Um, yeah, I thought you might have, so I was, you know, trying to lay up a joke. I've always wanted to know who who did that song, but I that yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. Uh, and so then we cut to the last bit where Gus is trying to log in to do his exam, and he can't log in. And why can't he log in? Because Sean already took the exam for him, and he's pretty sure he nailed it, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of nailed it, or just didn't blow it. So Gus is upset because he studied all week for nothing, and mm-hmm. he chases they chase each other around the office. Yep. I do love that Gus's pastor is Chocolate Thunder. It's funny. Um, yeah, I do too. And yeah, Shout then the ep- Daryl Dawkins. Of course. Rest in peace to Daryl Dawkins. Oh, um, shit. I didn't think he was dead. He died, uh, I think, like 2016. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, and that's a good ep- That's a good e- way to end this episode, is any. What do you get this out of 10? I gave it an 8. I gave it a 7.5. It's fine. I, you know, nothing too special about it. There's some fun moments. And uh, yeah. Um, Andre, yeah, I had it at a seven point. I had it at a seven point five until uh, the Jules and Sean thing at the end. I just like yeah, them together. So. Oh, I, I, I mean, you, you're in, you're in luck because obviously, you know, not that it, it, it's obviously the show is about that in some ways because it's a television show before you know discourse had to be like, why can't men and women characters just be friends? It's like they can be, but you know what's also cool when people fall in love in TV. It's fucking great. Shut up. Um. Anyway. Yeah. In case you're wondering how I feel about that particular discourse. Um. <laughs> Uh, and so where can people follow you on social media? And if you say X, I'm going to throw something at you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you can follow me at Andre Barrera on Twitter and you can follow me at Andre Barrera dot blue sky dot social. You can follow me at the J Christie on Twitter. You can find me on blue sky, but until the, until I log onto that app and it doesn't feel like everyone is the most hand wringing, hand wringing, annoying loser. I'm not going to be on that that much. Um, is that I just can't. And not really. I just I feel like every single time someone's like complaining about an etiquette thing with Blue Sky, and it's like, it's every time I open the app, there's a discourse about something that we need to do better. That it just you know the thing is, it's just not fun. For the fun people aren't there yet, and so that's a problem for me. Um, okay, fair enough. Like good me, like when I saw yesterday the person who posted the thing that their Burger King burger looked like Steve Harvey's mouth, like that you're oh, not that getting on Blue Sky. You're not getting on yeah. Blue Sky yet, you know. Um, also, shouts to Trump for getting indicted again. Always funny. Um, and, that happened? Uh, yeah, he got indicted again for this for the coup for the January 6th thing. He finally got indicted for that on four counts. <laughs> Goodness, okay. I mean, the man can't help it. He committed so many crimes. I mean, he's not going to jail though, right? If he loses the election, I actually think he'll get convicted of uh, at least the Mar- Mar-a-Lago stuff is a pretty open and shut case. Like, it's really hard for him to argue against it. I don't know if he'll actually go to jail jail, but he'll definitely have like a very substantial penalty. Just because obstruction of justice is a thing that like the FBI does not the, the federal government does not like when people destroy evidence. Um that's like that's a crime that's kind of hard to whiz your way out of because the people who are pro who the people who are prosecuting you work for like are the people you pissed off. You know what I mean? Like it's kind right. of a it's one of those crimes that like you don't want to the cover up being cover up being worse than the crime is I think important because it's also very easy to prove that you obstructed justice because it's like we want these documents and we know that the documents got destroyed. Like it's, that's an act. That's not like a hard thing to a hard line to draw, you know? Um, 
the also, I mean, I don't know, but I, I mean, the main reason he's running for president is because he knows he won't go to jail if he wins. Like that's actually the whole thing. He he just wants to not go to jail. So, um, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, you can follow the show at at First Psych on Twitter for share it with the biggest psych fan in your life, and more important than that, tune in next time as we talk about Gus walks into a bank. <laughs> <laughs>